0: This is Monday, the 29th of March, and we're continuing looking at this higher Christian life, especially following up on some of the things we talked about yesterday in church regarding our bodies and regarding the importance of yielding our bodies and yielding our life, specifically our bodies, to the Holy Spirit in order to experience His fullness and especially this higher Christian life. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Last Sunday, we shared two specific verses with you that, once you get a handle on them, really changes everything regarding our relationship with the Holy Spirit. For one, Jesus said in John 14 that he will pray to the Father, And he, the Father, will give you another helper. We've talked about this before. The word another is alos. It means another of the exact same kind. Jesus will give them someone just like him, that he, this helper, may abide with you forever. The context here, of course, is Jesus saying he's going to be taken away up into heaven. He's going to be leaving them, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans because I'm going to send you someone else just like me. And I'm sure their mouths dropped open and they didn't really understand what he was talking about. So in verse number 17, he elaborated. And here's what he said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive In other words, there's a difference between the lost people and you and I, difference between the world and you and I. The difference is that the lost people of the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they neither see him nor know him. And of course, as I've shared with you before, the word know is gnosko, to know experientially, to know passionately, to know intimately. But the scripture says you know him. You Gonosko him. How? For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. One of the key truths here that we've been talking about is the fact that you do know the Holy Spirit, you should know the Holy Spirit, you're expected to know the Holy Spirit because knowing Him is a sign that you truly belong to Him, that you are truly saved. It's not just having Him dwell within you, but having a kind of relationship with Him that allows you to be intimate and personal and passionate with Him. And then we have the Romans 12 passage where it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. It's a body now. We're to know the Holy Spirit who now lives in us, and we're to present our bodies now to the Lord, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. And the question we've been asking is, Who do we present our body to? In other words, it says that we're presenting our body to God, but if we understand the Trinity, what person of the Godhead do we sacrifice our body to? Is it the Father? Is it the Son? Is it the Holy Spirit? The Father has never been revealed to us in a body. As a matter of fact, He's always on His throne. He's always in heaven. The only thing we see of the Father is the residual effects of Him coming, like on Mount Sinai with quaking and lightning and smoke and loud thunder and stuff of that nature. The Father doesn't need a body. Jesus, of course, already has a body, and He right now is interceding for us, seated at the right hand of the Father but the Holy Spirit has no body. The Holy Spirit by design came to earth to inhabit a body and that body is ours. That's why the Lord says, I will send you another helper who will be in you, not just with you, but be in you. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. And since he does, especially when we're dealing with this higher life issue, it takes a chapter like 1 Corinthians 6 and reveals it to us in an entirely different light. Let me just read to you the last few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Here's what it says, flee sexual immorality, flee, run from sexual immorality, why? For every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Okay, well, why is that important? It continues, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? "'For you are bought with a price. "'Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit.'" And it ends with these three words, just in case we'd forget, which are God's. "'Do you not know that your body "'is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, "'whom you have from God, and you are not your own? "'For you were bought with a price.'" Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's, which belong to him. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our body, he transforms it. And he transforms it by the fact that he is holy and he is God. And by virtue of his holiness, wherever he's at, it transforms it into a temple. So our bodies now become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, any sin that a person commits against his own body is an affront to the Holy Spirit. It's a desecration of the Holy Spirit. It's an abomination to His holiness. It is a sin that pollutes and corrupts the very dwelling place of God, the very dwelling place of the Spirit who now lives in us. And from this type of sin, we're not commanded to fight or resist, like it says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee, but to run, to hightail it out of there, just to get away. After all, our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us, whom we have from God, and so therefore, since God is living in us, since God has taken possession of us, since God now has our bodies— it says we are not our own. But what does that mean? If I'm not my own, then I belong to someone else. I belong to God himself, the Holy Spirit who lives within me. So therefore, how can I glorify God in my body? Think again about the last verse in 1 Corinthians 6. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his, which means they are not yours. Note, 1 Corinthians 6.19 ends with the phrase, you are not your own. And then this verse, verse 20, begins by telling us why we're not our own. And it says, because we were bought with a price our redemption price has been paid. The deed of the ownership of our life has been transferred to the Lord, therefore we now belong to God, which is exactly what the ending phrase of this chapter says, which are God's. It begins and ends that way, but I want you to notice what's between these two bookends, and it's this phrase, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit in your body and in your spirit. Not in your money, not in your work, not in your TV habits or the thoughts that you think, but glorify God in your spirit. I mean, how do we do that? How do we we glorify God in our body, which is a seed of our flesh? It's the part of us that really wars against our spirit. I mean, how is that done? In Galatians 5, 16, and 17, it says this, But I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to each other. They're at war with each other. There's constant friction with each other, so that you do not do the things that you wish. I cannot do the things that my flesh wants me to do. I cannot do the things that I desire carnally. But walking according to the Spirit and not giving in to the lust of the flesh is harder than it seems. And the reason is simply this, that we always seem to lose the battle eventually against our flesh. I mean, Paul expressed this frustration about the war that he had with himself back in Romans chapter 7. Listen to what he says. In verse number 15, Paul says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. I want to walk according to the Spirit, but I keep living according to the lust of the flesh. And then I don't want to give into the flesh, but I do it. He sums up this chapter by saying, "O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he begins verse 25, the last verse in this chapter, telling us exactly who will deliver us from this body of death. I thank God. God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation point, exclamation point. So if even Paul was frustrated with not being able to walk according to the Spirit, what can we possibly do? Simply this, and here's what I want you to get out of today. Just please understand this, that you cannot, it's impossible in the flesh to win the war against the flesh, no matter how hard you try or how determined you are. You can't. You can't live a thought-free life. You cannot, in the flesh, fight against the flesh and win a war against the flesh. The flesh itself, your body itself, will not allow a sustained campaign against itself. In order to place your body in submission to your spirit, you need outside help, or literally with the Holy Spirit as inside help. And that only comes from Him. That only comes from the Holy Spirit living in you. Hence the Romans 12, 1 passage. You are to relinquish all rights to our bodies, our flesh, by offering them as a sacrifice to the Holy Spirit to do with what He pleases. And we are then, once they belong to Him, we are then to get out of the way and let Him live His life through us. So our flesh now is in submission to the Spirit that empowers our very lives. And it's not just these passages that talk about that. Let me just give you a few more to think about in closing. This is from Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body which is your flesh, that you should obey it in its lust. Do not let that happen. You can only not let that happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And finally, one more, 2 Corinthians five ten why are we doing all this? It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, in the flesh, not in your spirit, not in your soul, but in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Please understand as we begin this week that this is the beginning path of the higher Christian life. We're going to talk a little bit more about that for the next few days, and we're going to end the week explaining the importance of not only surrendering your flesh, your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord, but also your soul. But that's for another day. I hope this has been a blessing to you. We'll talk again tomorrow. Until then.